Welcome back to Sports Waves. My name is Carl Winter, and we have an exciting episode coming up for you today as plenty has changed in the sports world in the past two weeks since we've been on spring break. Also, plenty has changed here at Pepperdine as we believe this is the first podcast recording in the PGM podcast studio without masks in two full years since about 2020. So it's an exciting development as the mask mandate has been lifted here on campus, and we're excited today to be recording together without masks, as I'm as I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Austin Lede, and also by Jerry Jiang. So, Jerry, I'll give you the chance to introduce yourself and let the listeners know what you do at PGM, and we also like to ask where your sports loyalties lie. So, where'd you grow up? Who are you a fan of? Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having me on, Carl. Um, first of all, um, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a senior transfer from, uh, from the Bay Area. I'm a I'm the assistant sports editor of the graphic. I basically just cover a lot of the games and uh, write some profiles on the athletes we have here on campus and also um, some other stuff I write for um, a Warriors blog. So I'm also very, very into uh, basketball in general and also um, coming from the Bay Area, my sports loyalty is with the Warriors. Um, I'm a Warriors fan, uh, been, been that way my entire life. So. Uh, a lot of dark days for sure, but uh, but now it's a little bit better these days. So uh, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely um, been a Warriors fan for life. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty pretty crazy just to be able to find something in life where you can you know you combine you know your passions with like sports and something you can find in a career. So it's definitely uh, definitely uh, a challenge, but it's been fun so far. Yeah, we're stoked to have you, Jerry. And just one follow-up to that, what were your thoughts about the Warriors moving across the Bay from Oakland to San Francisco? Are you an East Bay guy? Or did you want them to stay in Oakland if possible? I personally wanted to, to say, I mean, I mean, I I was really, I was kind of mad, not going to lie. <laughs> like, I mean, first of all, like, the prices went up, like, like insane. It was, it's insane to buy a regular season ticket game at Chase Center right now. Like, I think even for a regular season, it's probably like $130. Like, that's like a regular season game. And, like, that is the price for, like, a really good, like, playoff game back at Oracle Arena. So, you know, but, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, and obviously, I think the first year when they moved, it was a taking season. So it helped the cause in terms of moving to a new arena. But, I mean, it's definitely a change. But, I mean, the arena itself is nice. Like, I've been there a couple times. So, yeah, it's been... It's been pretty nice, but yeah, it's kind of still an adjustment, but you know, it is what it is. Got it. Yeah. And we'll get to the Warriors uh, a little bit later as we get into the NBA, but why don't we start with Pepperdine Athletics, which the three of us all spend some time writing about and watching and basketball season is now over here at Pepperdine as men's and women's basketball bowed out in the first round of the West Coast Conference Tournament. And it was a bit of a rebuilding year, I guess you could say for both of the teams, and I guess the question is how we kind of put these seasons in perspective as in the win column, it didn't really look good for both of them. And they both bowed out in the first round of the West Coast Conference Tournament. So not not the postseason excitement we had last year when the men were able to win a postseason tournament and end the season on a win. So, yeah, I guess that's my question for you. I mean, for both of you, these teams have great young talent, but obviously the results were underwhelming this year. Um. Yeah, obviously the results are not good. I think we placed last in the conference, but I really think it's just a growing year. I think we have a lot of young long, young players on the team, young guards like Mikey Mitchell, and I just think that we're not like a Kentucky or Duke, so we just need time to improve players, like have them develop, and I think over the years we'll be much better than we are now for sure. 
Yeah, just adding on to that, I think what a lot of people are are like going to forget is the fact that we lost basically a lot of our starters, right? So I think just, you know, and especially in college basketball, it's hard winning with four freshmen. And, you know, it's it's critical for them to like go through the things like this. And I mean, I, I'm sure they'll only get better from here. I mean, Houston Millet, he dropped 31 against BYU. That was a that was a really, really impressive game from him. I, I just I just remember thinking like, man, this guy cannot miss. So I mean, in terms of just like being a consistent scorer, I think he's definitely gonna be a name to watch for sure in, in the coming years. And obviously Maxwell Lewis, he he was supposed to I think he was supposed to go to like the G League from what I've heard. Um and opted to come to Pepperdine. So, um, you know, obviously um, he had a kind of a slow start, but, you know, I think he's obviously very talented. And shout out Mike Mitchell. I mean, he's been the floor general this entire season. And, yeah, it's just this young core, if they could just stick together and, and you know, build this uh, chemistry and things like that, they'll be fine in, in like two, three years. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the name of the game. I mean, the men had three players named to the West Coast Conference All-Freshman team. Only the second school ever to have that happen. First time it's happened in Pepperdine history, and that are the guys you guys mentioned, Houston Millette, Mike Mitchell, and Max Lewis, who had impressive freshman campaigns and really battled in some games. I mean, they were not afraid to take on the Gonzagas and the BYUs and St. Mary's of the conference. And on the women's side, Allie Stedman had a, a really impressive season as, uh, again, a freshman guard who she came out firing with 28 points in her very first collegiate game against UCLA and was just a solid force offensively throughout the season. So we expect them to improve in 2022 as well. But I, I guess the question is, like, do all of them stay? I mean, you don't really want to have to address that elephant in the room, but when you go 1-15 and 15 in the conference, it's not great. But I think the good thing is Coach Romar on the men's side, Coach Jelling on the women's side, have track records of keeping these players around. Like, you don't we aren't losing a ton of players to transfer um, because, you know, I think they like it here. It's hard not to. Um, but Kessler Edwards stuck around until he was drafted. Kobe Ross stuck around despite a coaching change on the women's side. Malia Bambrick stuck around despite a coaching change. So as long as they have that solid team culture, I imagine that they'll be able to keep this core intact and improve in coming years. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I definitely. I think what's interesting is I think um, I was doing research and like I, I found something like Houston Millette was supposed to he was a Penn State commit, I think, and then they fired their head coach, and then he signed with Pepperdine. So, um, obviously, coaching means a lot to these guys, and if they can just build that culture, and, you know, I don't think we're going to have to, you know, hopefully worry about that anytime soon, but, I mean, I mean, plus, we're in Malibu, so we have that for us. But um, in terms of just that, I think, you know, the coaching relationship, it's obviously a really critical part in terms of, like, building that relationship with the player and the coach. And obviously we got great coaches here. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, you kind of don't want to think about it, but like at the same time, it's also like, um, you know, it's, it's a challenging thing for sure. Awesome. What'd you think of the game against Gonzaga here at Pepperdine, you know, seeing Firestone field house with a, with a large crowd on hand? Um, I, I mean, it was crazy seeing Firestone like that. Cause I've never seen it like that, but I mean, it was so much fun. I think if we had a winning team, like a lot of the fans are show because I know a lot of people like say we don't have school spirit, but like for a small school, I think we showed a lot of good school spirit. And we were down like what nine with like ten minutes left. I mean, it was a good game. Obviously, Houston had a great game leading all all scores. And yeah, I think like if we just develop over the years, and all it takes is like one to two transfers to come here, and we could be competing in the conference again. So definitely excited for what's to come. 
Yeah, for the Gonzaga game every year shows what the students can do when they want to. So it's it's just really a matter of getting them down there for every other game in the regular season schedule. But I, like you said, you can't really blame them when the team isn't winning. But yeah, that game, I mean, I think there was one point when we were down nine that we forced a turnover, had a look to maybe hit a three and bring it to six, and the roof would have blown off, but then we proceeded to turn it over ourselves. Uh, so, but it was a fun atmosphere, especially, you know, it would have been the upset of the century had we pulled it <laughs> off. So hopefully that streak will come to an end soon. We've spent a fair bit of time talking about basketball, but plenty of other sports in season now at Pepperdine. One of them is men's volleyball, who's kind of had an up and down start. I mean, I viewed them as a national title contender coming into the season. I still do, uh, but it's been very roller coaster ish, especially in the last few weeks. I mean, basically they've split two game series with every school they've played in the last four weeks. They they win they'll win the first match and then lose the second one. So, Jerry, you've had a chance to cover this team a little bit. What have you seen from them, and what do they need to continue to pick up as they get into the stretch run of their season? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting season so far. I mean, obviously a lot of high expectations. These guys are, from what I have understand, they're such a talented roster. And, I mean, they got a really good transfer in Jalen Jasper. And, I mean, it's in terms of just, like, trying to acclimate all those guys, it takes some time, right? Um, at, the, at the end of the day, it's it's a process, and... I think one of from uh, one of the games, Bryce Dorbeck, he said like it doesn't matter where our rankings are right now because that's not where we're going to be at the end of the season or something along the lines of. So I think that's also really important to keep in mind where it's like, yeah, um, the records might not be the best, but at the end of the day, it's all about that building process, right? Like what can you take from this game to the next and things like that. And I mean, yeah, it's 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 a little weird to see like, oh yeah, they meet one team like and then they'll like drop the next one but like I mean it's just an adjustment process and like they're they're a very very talented squad so um it's just all about like acclimating like how making making everyone happy and things like that so I think I think that'll be fine yeah Austin I spoke to Spencer Wickens about that earlier in the year how you know they're kind of getting guys adjusted and they're also you know it's kind of anybody's year I mean it's a very open year and call it the collegiate men's volleyball and you've seen that with teams moving up and down the rankings and like Setter Bryce Dvorak says it only matters what you do at the end of the year. So this team will be looking to win the MPSF and from there NCAA tournament. And it's it's a proud program that has shown the ability to do that in the past. Just I'll go around the horn real quick on a couple of other shout outs for Pepperdine Athletics. Men's tennis back into the top 20 after big wins against UCLA and USC. They're coming along and we know they expect to be in the top 10. Women's tennis doing just as well as ever ranked in the top five. Same with men's golf ranked in the top five. Beach volleyball in the top 15. And Pepperdine Swim and Dive getting their first ever conference title in program history in the Pacific Coast Swim Conference. So a really good end to their season. They have a few women swimming and diving at the national meet this weekend. So best of luck to the waves there. And I think that'll do it for our Pepperdine Athletics updates. And we'll move to pro sports. And both of you guys are big NBA guys. So I know Austin and I kind of did an update on where the league was a few weeks ago, where we talked about the trade deadline. There was plenty to talk about there and just kind of teams that have met, exceeded, met or exceeded expectations or underwhelmed. So right now I want to bring up a couple of players because we've had just, you know, impressive performance after impressive performance. So this guy put up 50, this guy put up 50, this guy came out of nowhere. So, but at the height of the player conversation is the MVP debate. And I see it as a race between three different guys. I'm wondering if you guys see it the same. So I'm just going to open up the floor to you guys to, you know, give your takes about who are the best players in the league this year. Um, do you want to start, Jerry? Yeah, I, I guess I can start. Um, I mean, as a Warriors fan, I just got to 
give a shout out to Steph Curry because he was playing out of his mind the first 20, 30 games. And then I think a lot of the record chasing got into his head a little bit. And now he's like, uh, and it's like the worst slump of his career, which is unfortunate. But like, I mean, you can't ignore that first 20 games. So, I mean, as a Warriors fan, as much as I, I want to see Steph win another MVP, I think um, I think that that window was kind of kind of gone. But I mean, you know, in terms of right now, I mean, obviously Jokic, Embiid, and you know, KD. Once he once he gets back, like those guys have been insane, and it's really impressive to see what guys like Jokic have been doing, especially because, I mean, it's unfortunate that Jokic is in such a small market where. You know, Denver, they don't really get much media coverage and they have the whole thing with their TV networks and not many people are tuning in. They're, like, missing out on on really great basketball. And, I mean, and to see, like, Jokic and um, and those those guys over there, like, really, really playing well, like, without Jamal Murray as well, like, it's, it's hard to, like, leave him off in conversation for sure. Yeah, definitely what Jokic is doing is impressive without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. But they are only six in the West, so they're not. he's not the top MVP candidate for me right now. I'm ha- I have Joel Embiid because I think what he's doing is very underappreciative. I mean, having to deal with the Ben Simmons drama the whole first half of the year and now making it work with James Harden. He's consistently putting up 30 and 12 on 50% shooting. I mean, just amazing having them second in the East, which the East is looking more competitive than the West this year, which, I mean, hasn't been the case in a while, but... I just think what he's doing is um, pretty remarkable. And Giannis, like, I mean, I think people are getting a Giannis fatigue. Like, I just don't think they will give it to him for another MVP. And, yeah, I mean, if Chris Paul wasn't hurt, I think he'd be out there too. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with all the takes. I mean, I think that um, the way I see it, it's Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis with maybe Jokic and Embiid being a hair ahead. But the thing that impresses me the most about all three of these guys is the way they've kind of been able to carry their teams. I mean, you touched on it with Jokic and with Embiid, but with Giannis as well. I mean, basically, these these three teams are, you know, way worse without these guys on the floor. And you can see it in the numbers, and their teams are less efficient. They score less. They play worse defense. And now, of course, Embiid has James Harden, but he's gonna that's going to take some acclimating, and hopefully Jokic will get his guys back. But these, these three guys carry their teams. They put up ridiculous numbers night after night. They're very efficient, and they do it in very different styles. I mean, they're all huge. But they they play three completely different ways, which is why it's so exciting to tune into them every week. And it's tough. I mean, I think in any given year, most years, any one of these guys would run away with the MVP. But they're all three so good that it's going to be really tough. And it's going to be tough to say that one guy was the runner-up or one guy got third place. I mean, and that's in a year when most years I'm kind of on the train of, you know, LeBron should probably get it every year and people just get tired of him. So this year I legitimately don't think he would get it obviously, um, but there are other guys that are having great years. I mean, I'm a Bulls fan. DeMar DeRozan is having an incredible year and just putting up video game numbers as well, and the Bulls have been a little bit shorthanded, so he's kind of been carrying us, but, you know, nothing to the... I I can't honestly say... Maybe 30 games in, I could say that he should win the MVP. I can't say that honestly now that DeMar should be, you know, in that conversation. So, yeah, it's going to be an exciting race. I'm excited to see the way it goes. I mean, yeah, Austin, I was just going to ask you about LeBron and the Lakers when I brought him up. I mean, he put a 56 on, what was it, 31 shots against the Warriors. So I guess I can ask both of you guys <laughs> about that performance. Um, obviously, I still don't think it elevates him in the MVP conversation. But for you, Austin, first, does it kind of get the Lakers season turned around? I mean, I don't know. The season just seems like a bust. I don't know. It just... 
it, it, the last time we recorded, there was more hope than now. Like, it's just we've lost, like, what, 8 of 10. And, I mean, LeBron's incredible. Like, yeah, we've known that. I mean, he's having, like, the best year in 19, like, anyone's ever had. And, yeah, he dropped 56. But, like, it, if he didn't play that good, we wouldn't have even been in the game. Like, our team is just in shambles. Westbrook, like, he's playing hard, but he's not as good as he was. Like, so it's just, like, I don't know. It's very disappointing, but... I mean, we'll make the play-in tournament. We'll see. And LeBron like, can't be MVP because just our record is terrible. So, But he is putting up insane numbers. Can I just say that 56-point performance? Um, I'm just going to mention the outrageous goaltending that should have been a goaltend. Um, just just putting that out there because that really changed the game. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to be that guy, but I mean, you know, I, 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 as a Warriors fan, I just couldn't help but to see it that way. But I mean, with all due respect, like, given, like, what LeBron has accomplished throughout his entire career, I have nothing but respect for, the, for him. Like, he, what he's doing at age, wait, 37? Like, incredible. Like, he's still putting up these numbers. Like, every night I go see ESPN and I, I see his stats, I'm like, Jesus, like, how is he even doing this? Like, it's it's insane. Like, it's it's pretty crazy. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, that was, in terms of, like, the Lakers overall, I mean, I don't want to, say too much about the Lakers fan in the studio but um yeah they're kind of in shambles right now but I mean yeah that game was uh that game was uh insane and even though the Warriors lost it was still a still a pretty chaotic uh game so it was uh it is what it is but you know we'll see yeah and we've had a couple of other wild performances I mean Jokic who we talked about put up 46 I think on like 22 shots with a triple double and we've just kind of come to expect that from him. Jason Tatum put up 54 the other night and has been leading the Celtics kind of single-handedly. Kyrie, who we haven't been able to talk about much all year because he hasn't been playing, uh, put up 50 on 19 shots with, I think, nine threes or something like that. So, you know, these guys are coming and that they're in better positions. Well, I guess the Nets, the Nets still have a bit of a hole to dig out of, but they're in a better position than the Lakers right now. Yeah, on LeBron, I mean, it just seems like the years where, like, his first you know, five to ten years of his career when he had to carry Cavs teams that didn't really have another star, and then the one playoffs where he had to carry the Cavs when Kyrie and Kevin Love were hurt. That's what it feels like now, except you're asking a guy who's 37 and his 19th season to put up a 40-point game just so you can win by two. It seems to be asking a lot, and, you know, that's something you can ask maybe in the playoffs when the season's coming to an end, but right now they, they're still just looking to get there. And it's in L.A., not Cleveland. People should, like, they can't. I don't know. They yeah. just can't perform when they come to L.A. It's like something like that. Yeah, it's tough. I, I mean, there are a few other players that we wanted to bring up. I mean, Jerry, you mentioned Steph Curry earlier, and he's kind of been in a slump. And, I mean, you mentioned something to me beforehand. There's been a debate between, you know, John Morant and Steph Curry this season. So what, what's your input on that? What's your take? I mean, I think people just got to slow down a little bit. Like, as much of an amazing player John is, like, you're talking about a guy who is like what you're you're two in the league something like that like he's he's got a long way to go and i mean it's the i think it's like a timing of all of it where it's like Steph is going through one of his worst slumps of his like career like ever and then you got job playing out of his mind and the grizzlies are ahead of the warriors right now i think so i mean i mean you know people are going to talk but like at the end of the day i think people just need to slow down we live in a very uh we live in an era where it's like we have we see everything like as it's happening, and we don't really like step back and like you know think about it too much. But like we just like we just like talk about what we see, and and it's very, I mean, it is what it is at this point. But um, yeah, I think it's a very interesting debate for sure. But it's just very different 
circumstances. So, yeah. Got it. Yeah, Austin, do you have anything else on the NBA? The other thing I wanted to bring up was that Draymond Green may be coming back soon for the Warriors, which will put them in an even better position with that original big three back together. And then Ben Simmons should be playing pretty soon for the Nets, and they're in eighth right now. They just got back to 500, so they really need him uh, to you know, kind of gel quickly, and especially if they get Kyrie back for home games, that'll that'll buoy them as well. So anything on those two guys and what you expect from them? Um, yeah, I think once Draymond comes back, I think the Warriors will be fine. I think he's, like, the heart and soul of the team. Like, obviously Curry's the best player, but, like, that doesn't mean he's a essential player they need. So I think the Warriors will be fine. They've been in the playoffs before, so I think they'll be dangerous. They have the most experience. Um, I also want to say that Kyrie should have been on the top 75 list instead of Dame Lillard because, like, Kyrie has a chip. He's the best handles of all time. So just want to say that. Um, Thing over AI? No, nah, not over AI. But Dame made it, and Kyrie should have made it over I Dame. I agree. I, I, think that, so, I think that Kyrie should have been on there as well. Yeah. yeah, and we'll see how Simmons works. I mean, he's just a 6'10 guard that can defend, so I think they can use that. And I don't think the Nets will make it far, though. I'm not a Nets believer, so we'll see. Got it. Jerry, are you a Nets believer? I mean... No, but it's like it's very interesting because I think I speak for a lot of people. Like, I mean, thank God that trade happened when it did because I was not ready for another six months of like, is he going to get traded or is he not going to get traded? So I'm just thankful that it actually happened. So, um, I mean, Ben Simmons, he is a really weird player because he's a 6'10 point guard that can't shoot, but he's a really good defender. So he's very limited. And I think what a lot of people like, Look at when when you're talking about Ben Simmons is the fact that obviously he had that play against Trey Young in the playoffs and that kind of derailed the whole situation, but it's kind of like a micro microcosm of his like career, right? Like he he kind of doesn't really perform well under high pressure moments. He, you know, doesn't obviously doesn't shoot, which is a problem. And then you know at the same time he hasn't really been the best teammate of all time to uh, Joel Embiid, so. I'm not really a Ben Simmons fan, as you can tell, but I mean, in terms of like the Nets moving forward, it's very, you, you can't ever count out Katie or Kyrie. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. All right, Jerry, any final thoughts from you on NBA or Pepperdine Athletics uh, before we let you head out? Um, not really, no. All right. Well, it's been an honor having you. We Thanks, appreciate Jerry. you coming on. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right, Austin, we've spent the vast majority of this podcast so far talking about basketball, which is the most relevant of the major American sports right now. But we've had several storylines in the NFL this past week, several major storylines. We've got trades and we've got a big time suspension that we'll start with. Calvin Ridley, the Falcons wide receiver, very talented wide receiver, has been suspended through at least the entire 2022 season. So all 17 games for betting on NFL games. And the details of it are kind of amusing, actually. He didn't bet that much money. He bet these parlays on his team. He wasn't playing in the games that he bet on. So it's it seems a little bit harsh. I'll get into my take on it, but why don't you start? What were your thoughts when you saw this news? Well, when I saw it, I just thought it was very funny because like, I have so many friends that bet on sports. And I'm like very addicted to it, I would say. And I'm like, wow, their players are just like them. But, I mean, I feel like the punishment is a little too harsh because first he wasn't playing in those games. But I don't think it should be allowed. Like, I don't think he should be allowed to bet on games. But he got suspended for the whole season, and we've seen players get, like, six games for domestic abuse. So, like, I mean, if we put things into perspective, it seems a little harsh. But I think it's a funny situation overall uh, for a very good player and just weird. 
Yeah, it, it's it's strange. You don't see it very often anymore. I mean, I think he's only the fifth player in NFL history to be suspended for betting on games, and he's by far the highest profile one. And maybe a little bit harsh. I, I think sports leagues in general have been very harsh on betting. I mean, Pete Rose still isn't in the MLB Hall of Fame because of it, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with them being heavy on anything that can even come close to impacting the outcome of a game should be banned. And so I'm okay with the year-long suspension if it is just a year. I do think there is a disconnect between other things NFL will suspend players for. I mean, things off the field that are really egregious like domestic abuse and they're getting two games or getting five games Whatever. I think the issue is more that those punishments should be harsher than necessarily than this one should be lighter. But yeah, the details are wild. I mean, he said on Twitter, this is Calvin Ridley, word for word on Twitter, quote, I bet 1500 total. I don't have a gambling problem, end quote. (laughs) And then he said a few other things like, I'm just going to be more healthy when I come back. I know I was wrong, but I'm getting one year. (laughs) So, which is funny, but the guy's missing an entire year of his career and he's in the prime of his career. It's like the worst bet ever. 1500 for like 11 million. Exactly. (laughs) He's losing a million, $11 million of his salary. So he could bet $1,500. And also, uh, the funny bit is he was betting these like four leg parlays, eight leg parlays, meaning he had to get every part of them right to win the money. And I think most of them, or at least some of them, included the Falcons winning. And this was in a month when his team, the Falcons, he wasn't playing. They lost the games 25 to zero and 43 to three. So the other funny tweets I saw on this were like, he should be suspended a year for betting on the Falcons. I guess it's better that he bet on his team to win, yeah. but still just. Betting in general as a player is, I mean, it's unacceptable and it's stupid because you, I mean, he must have had his own account on this betting site, his betting app. And if you Fandle. really, if you really, really want to bet, you could just do it under someone else's yeah. name. So just a strange situation, but yeah. Calvin Ridley now out for the entire season, or at least the entire season. That's what they said, at least the entire 2022 season. So that was strange news earlier in the week. And then Midweek, we've got a couple big-time trades, which blockbuster trades are not nearly as common in the NFL as they are in the NBA. And the first one, Broncos and Seahawks. The Seahawks send longtime Super Bowl-winning quarterback Russell Wilson to Denver for a package that included, I think, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, tight end Noah Fant, a bunch of picks, two first-round picks, a couple of second-round picks, I think, so what was your reaction? Oh, Drew Locke, of course, obviously the quarterback from the Broncos also gets sent to Seattle. So really the end of an era in Seattle. So what was your reaction to this trade? And do you think there is a winner and loser in this one? Oh, 100%. And this one, the Broncos are the winner. But as a Rams fan, I'm happy to see Russell Wilson leave. And they released Bobby Wagner, which was surprising too. Like they couldn't trade him. But um, no, Broncos are definitely 100% the winner. I think they have a win now team. So I think have, adding Russell Wilson to that equation is going to be very good for them. And it is a tough division, but I think people are making it seem tougher than it really is. I mean, the Broncos the Broncos and Chargers didn't make the playoffs last year, and the Raiders barely snuck in there with their car. So I think Russell Wilson would do very good with them. And the Seahawks recently have not been good at drafting, so they just got a bunch of draft picks, but they haven't really hit on any picks since like Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, and that's been, like, what, 10 years now? So we'll see. I mean, they tear it down. It's a whole rebuild, but definitely the Broncos are the winners here. I think the Broncos are the winners as well. And, you know, speaking to my good friend Kyle, who works for the graphic and is a Broncos fan, he's he's happy about it as well uh, because the Broncos have had so much instability at the quarterback position since Peyton Manning left. They've, I mean, if you look at the list of guys they ran out there, it's just uh-huh. been a high number and none of them have been incredibly productive. And yet, 
the Broncos have still been pretty competitive because their defense has been so good, their running game's been good. So they think that that putting getting Wilson at age, I think he's 33, still has some prime years left, puts them over the top. And I agree, although they're still in a tough division. For the Seahawks, though, I don't necessarily think they're losers either because I don't think they were going to be able to win paying Russell Wilson as much as he's owed over the next few years. And clearly it didn't work this year. And I think they've, in the past, they've been able to structure their team around an expensive defense and had a more an offense that didn't make as much money but was still productive enough. And so I think that's where the direction they're heading. It will take at least a year. I mean, I don't expect them to be very good this year. But beyond that, it was a good long-term deal for them getting the picks out of it and just an exciting development in the NFL. And that's not the only trade that we've had this week either as the Colts send Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders. Got to get used to calling them the Commanders. So what were your thoughts on this one as the the Colts kind of give up on the Wentz experiment after one year? Yeah, um, kind of questionable because I just don't know what the Colts are going to do at quarterback, really. Is Jimmy G an option? Mitch Trubisky? I don't, I don't really know. Um, they're kind of like the Broncos in a way, too. They've been really successful the last few years having a quarterback carousel. I, mean, I had, like, Phillip Rivers last year, Carson Wentz. So um, I think it's kind of weird for the commanders, too, because there was a report earlier that they're desperate looking for a long-term solution at quarterback, and is Carson Wentz really your long-term solution at quarterback? I mean, he's shown flashes before, but they put him back with his OC in Indy. It still didn't work with a fantastic running game and fantastic running back and Jonathan Taylor. Washington's way worse O-line. Terry McLaurin's pretty good, like pretty good weapons, but I don't know. I just don't, I don't like the fit. I'm not a Carson Wentz guy, though, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I guess the question there is, is Wentz going to fit in anywhere? I mean, he had like one to two like spectacular regular seasons, and since then it's been very up and down. And I think the Colts are right in thinking that he wasn't the answer, partially just because of the way they collapsed at the end of the season, and a lot of that fell on his shoulders. So I guess it's good for him to get a new start, but the commanders, I, I agree, I don't think he's going to be a long-term solution. They but really, it is an upgrade, I'll say that, a quarterback. He's an upgrade, and I, they weren't going to really get anyone in the draft, which is why it, we might see other quarterbacks in different uniforms. This, I mean, the Panthers are another team that comes to mind. Like, what are they going to do at quarterback? Is it? You mentioned Trubisky. It's funny that his name comes into the ring, but he might be one of the best current backups. And, you know, we thought Aaron Rodgers might end up elsewhere or retire. He re-signs with the Packers. Uh, you know, what were your thoughts on that? Rodgers said that he has not he has not released the details of the contract. It initially was leaked that it was four years, $200 million. Rodgers claims that's not true. We still don't know. But he said he is coming back to Green Bay. Um, well, I just don't get it because if this is all about, like, money— and like, why is why? He, I think he just likes attention because like he made us think he was going to another team. He was unhappy with the organization, like unhappy with the team around him. But if it was just all about money, like I, I don't get it. I'm tired of I don't know. I'm tired of the Roger stories. Like I feel like there's so many every week, and like I don't know if I mean I'm glad he's staying in Green Bay because like I like seeing him do well, and I think he'll do well again. But I don't know. Just weird if it was about money this whole time. Yeah, I that is one thing that I can definitely agree on as a Bears fan. I mean, I'm not thrilled to see him coming back because yeah. now he's going to tear our, our eyes, our division. But I'm usually not one to call athletes divas, but I think in this case, I we can definitely say that the way Rodgers has performed and just acted in the media and such over the last year to two years has been diva behavior. So he, yeah, he still he won't say what his contract is. He'll just say that the media is wrong about it, and then he'll probably go on Pat McAfee's show <laughs> on Tuesday and 
and tell us what it actually is. But either way, he's coming back. And the other big news is that Deshaun Watson has a court case this week. He's gonna he's been deposed in two different cases and is appearing in front of a grand jury on Friday. Uh, he's been he's facing twenty two active civil suits accusing him of sexual assault and sexual misconduct. So we may, depending on the outcome of these, we may see an actual suspension from the NFL. He has not been suspended by the NFL, but it seems like the Texans have kind of imposed a team suspension on him, and which we didn't see him play at all last year. So, you know, any any thoughts on that as we move forward with the Watson case and see if, if he's ever going to play in the league again? Yeah, I don't think any team will touch him until an NFL statement comes out about a suspension or anything because, I mean, you're not going to give up multiple picks and players for a guy that can't play. That'll just be dumb. But we'll see. I guess an organization like the Dolphins might do it because they've been doing some pretty wild stuff and they've been linked to trying to get Deshaun. But yeah, I definitely don't think any team will make a move unless official statements come out, which who knows when. It's been like over a year now, so we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting because we haven't heard anything about him until basically now about these cases uh, because he's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league when he plays. I mean, I, I had to put him in probably top 10 or 12 when he was playing. Some people might have him even higher than that. He's definitely still in his prime. So, you know, I'd like to see him back out there, but he's obviously accused of some egregious things off the field, and if those are true, then there's then we shouldn't see him back out there. So anything else on the NFL, Austin, or just in the sports world right now um, as we prepare to close this one out? Um. Hope I don't I hope Von Miller comes back to the Rams because there's been like hope like they think he's going back to the Broncos, but I don't think he is. I think we're gonna get OBJ back too. I think the Rams are gonna run it back. And Lakers, I don't know what's gonna happen. We'll see. We'll see, man. <laughs> we'll probably have you'll probably be either more optimistic or less optimistic come our recording next week. And speaking of our recording next week, are are you excited about March Madness as it's kind of already started with the conference tournaments and then we've got the big dance starting next week? Yeah, definitely. March Madness is like one of the most fun times to be a sports fan. I mean, everyone knows what March Madness is, like people that don't even watch sports and stuff like, like people that like to bet, people that just like to have a good time, watch basketball with your friends. It's it's an amazing time. Definitely very excited to fill out a bracket. Absolutely. So that's that'll be our episode coming out next week. We'll take a look at the NCAA March Madness bracket as it comes out Sunday. We'll plan to kind of record and give a live reaction to it and pick it and go all the way through that. We we won't pick every game, but we'll take a look at it. And if you haven't had a chance to see the buzzer beater for Chattanooga to make it into the NCAA tournament and win their conference, that's the first real bit of March Madness I've seen that reminded me what it's like is just a ridiculous buzzer beater from near half court for them to send Chattanooga, the mocks, to the NCAA tournament. That's always big, you know, winning your conference title and, and getting a bid out of there. That is the end of another episode of Sports Waves here from the PGM Podcast Studio. It was great to be back without masks here at Pepperdine. And tune in next week. We'll have a March Madness preview for you. Plenty of college basketball and maybe a few other updates if we have some breaking news. But again, this has been Sports Waves with your co-host Carl Winter. I was joined today by my co-host Austin Ledet, as well as our guest Jerry Jiang. You can follow us on Twitter at Sports Waves Pod for more updates on the podcast. You can also follow Pepperdine Graphic Media at Pep Graphic. That's at P-E-P-P Graphic on Instagram and Twitter for updates on other PGM podcasts. This is a Pepperdine Graphic Media podcast production, and you can also find us at Pepperdine-Graphic.com.
as always, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week.